talk to you this morning, the title of my message is The Great Divide Inside. Anybody ever have an argument with yourself? The great divide inside. And I mean, we all do this. And I would just say this, that if you don't, you are in the right place today because this is for you. Because we all should have these arguments about to do this or to do that. It's an argument. And Jesus tells us that he doesn't want us to be caught unaware. That in the end times, there, he makes it pretty clear about what is going to happen in our world today. And, and I want to talk to you a little bit about this. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. There's a couple guys that was in the church, and uh, they were just troublemakers in the church and they were brothers and they attended this little church and and just everything that would happen in church they just complain about it they gossip about it and and they 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 just had a critical spirit about everything and one of the brothers died and and uh uh, the pastor was getting ready to build a new building because the church had grown. And, and uh, the one brother came up to the pastor and he said, Pastor, if you'll, if you'll just, uh, if you'll say what I want you to say at my brother's funeral, I'll pay off the church, the new church building. Pastor said, well, what's that? He said, if you'll say that my brother was a saint. Pastor goes, okay, I'll do that. So they get to the funeral and the past, pastor goes, and he just, he just tells it like it is. This guy just made a lot of trouble in the church. So he just goes on and on and on about all the issues and the gossip and complaining that this, 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 this guy did. But he said, compared to his brother, He's a saint. <laughs> Matthew 24, verse 24. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He said, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders, signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He says, in the last days, there will be people that want to be the Messiah. They will want to be your God. And they will come, and they will come to deceive. And if it's possible, in an individual's life, they will even deceive those who are following Jesus. Pretty strong. Challenging scripture, talking about deception. It might even make us feel a little bit uncomfortable, but in this message today, it's, uh, it's about the scripture, and sometimes when the scripture comes into our lives, sometimes it feels uncomfortable. 
and, and to welcome that uncomfortableness because Jesus said, unless you take up my cross and follow me, you cannot be a part of the kingdom of God. And I've never seen anything, I've never seen a comfortable cross. Pick up the cross. Challenge us, uh, actually to make us question, to force us to lean on God's wisdom, on God's wisdom rather than our wisdom. That great divide inside sometimes is that my wisdom is greater than God's wisdom to have discernment. We're going to focus on three things. We have to discern deception. To be able to discern deception, to discern deceivers. We must know who is deceiving us. And when somebody deceives us, we can identify that person as a deceiver or what deceives us. Uh, and then next week, I think we're going to talk about defending against deceit. These are not easy topics, but they're, I would say, very necessary in the world that we live in. We must always be aware of the potential for deception. Discernment now is the ability to judge well, to distinguish truth from error. To distinguish truth from error. To be able to judge well. I'm not talking about being judgmental toward somebody, but I'm talking about being able to judge in our spirit whether what somebody says is of God or not. To judge in our spirit what is of God. To judge is it from God or is it from somebody else or it's something that is contrary to what God is saying. You remember in John chapter 7 verse 24, it says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. When we look, we must judge the way God understands it and to see it from the perspective of God's eyes. In Acts chapter 13, verse 20, it says, all this took about 400 year, 450 years, talking about the children of Israel. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. You remember one of the books of the Bible is the book of Judges. So the judges were the ones that would run the nation of Israel. And America has first intended to set up this on this country on judges and to trust in God and God's principles, which our constitution has been built upon. But I would just tend to say today that not all judges judge according to what God says. A lot of judges have their own opinions today. It's the opinion of the court. I think we have to get away from man's opinions and get back to God's word and the truth of what he says. Our culture today wants to buy into this, this uh, new woke society that goes against the, the truth of, of God's word. So I want to I address that this morning. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon he said this, he said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. You see, in every religion, there is a grain of truth. It's almost right. And we have in our society today, we have swallowed the pill 
of compromise. We've bought into the lie of the enemy where we will take some of the truth and manipulate it, even religions of this world, that the, the Bible is true as far as it is correctly interpreted, and we want to reinterpret what the Bible says because we believe that human nature a lot of times is more wise than God's wisdom. And in our world today, it's going to get, in our world today, is getting tore up tearing up the truth of the word of God and replacing it with God, with man's agenda. What is almost right? Anybody ever put gas in a diesel pickup? <laughs> One hand, two hand. Anybody else? Well, it's almost right. I mean, it comes out of the same pump. It's almost right. But it won't make the truck run. In fact, it'll kill it. You get the wrong stuff in there, it's going to kill it. But it's almost right. It seemed like the right thing to do. Isn't it true? It's almost, it's easy to spot differences between right and wrong, but the difference between right and almost right that's really where the danger lies. That's where the deception can creep in and honestly has crept into our world. We live in a culture that is increasingly embracing almost right. So as we approach the scripture, let's do it with an open heart and an open mind. Uh, ask God to give us the wisdom to discern deception, to, to recognize deceivers and to defend against deceit. Discernment, discerning deception, discernment is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You read about it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, there, there are nine gifts of the Spirit, and one of those gifts is the discernment. The gift of discernment. And I would just submit to you, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit around here. I, I don't believe that God gave the church the gift of discernment so that, so that uh, it could be done away with with the early church. He has given the gifts of the Spirit for the church, for the building up of the saints, for the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need everything that God has for us. And the best gift is the gift that we need in the situation, the circumstance that we find ourselves in. So that's, he is ready to help us, to empower us, and to give us the wisdom to be able to navigate through life in truth and in wisdom. And he said, no good gift will he withhold from those who love him. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. He loves us. It's not easy in our world today to tell the difference between truth and lies. Our deception can be subtle. It can be pretty sneaky. And sometimes it's dressed up to look like the truth. This is why we must be vigilant to stay on guard with what we really need to be, uh, need to be consistently seeking God's wisdom and God's guidance. Information in this world that we live in is readily accessible. And it can be a blessing or it can be a curse. 
it's easy to be swayed by convincing arguments or by charismatic speakers. The more charismatic they are, the easier it is to swallow what they're telling you. Or by popular opinion. We must remember that not everything that glitters is gold. The scripture warns us about false messiahs and false prophets as individuals who might appear to be genuine who might even perform signs and wonders, but their goal is to deceive and to lead us away from truth. They may be genuine, but they also may be genuinely wrong. Might be passionate. Passionate doesn't mean that they're following God's word. So how do we discern deceit? How do we know when we're being led astray? I would say this, that it all starts with knowing God's Word. We, we need God's word more now than we've ever needed it. Uh, you all know why the ram fell off the cliff, right? He didn't see the U-turn. Anybody need that explain? Use <laughs> a female sheep. Sometimes we fall off the cliff because we're following the wrong people. We're not following the ways of God. The more we read and understand the Bible, the better equipped we are to recognize when something doesn't align with God's teaching. But knowing God's word isn't enough. We also need to be in constant communication with him. I know a lot of people that can quote the Bible, but they live like the devil. Just because they know the Bible doesn't mean they are living like Jesus would have them live. There's a lot of Christian people I, I don't even like to be around because they're miserable people. You see, there's the written word, which is the, the logos word of God. In the Greek, it's logos in the and then there's the spoken word of God, which is the rhema word of God. God wants us to, to, to speak into our lives about the situations that we come in contact, the, the, the situations that we find ourselves day in and day out. There's things that we go through and ways that we live our lives. And the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about the direction of our lives. He said this. He said, if we will acknowledge him in all of our ways, that he will direct our path. He said he'd do that for us. But our job is to acknowledge him. He said no good gift will he withhold from those who love him. Our job is to love him. And when we follow Christ, we also must know what the word of God says. And I would say this, that God will never say, give you a rhema word if it's not backed up with the logos, with the written word. I, you know, I live in a, the world I live in is, uh, it's interesting. Sometimes I have people come into my office and they say, God said. And it doesn't matter what I say to that person. If I know for a fact that God didn't say what they said, if I know for a fact you, I, there's nothing any, there's nothing I can say to that person. When they say God said, 
you might as well say, well, this, this party's over. You can go to the house. Because they're not going to listen to what I say because they think that they heard from God. Let me tell you something. You, God's spoken word to you about your situation will never go against the written word. And when it goes against the written word, you, we better listen to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God uses people who are godly people to influence us back toward the word of God. But if we're not listening to godly people as well, then we may not really know what God's saying. We need discernment. We need it terribly. The devil knows God's word. The devil knows what God said. In fact, that's what he tempted Jesus. You remember when, when the devil tempted Jesus? He tempted Jesus with the word of God. But do you know how Jesus responded to the devil? He responded with the word of God. When you, in order to respond with the word of God, you've got to know the word of God. So we must pray for wisdom, discernment, and the ability to see through lies. It says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Anybody with me? You ask a lot for wisdom. You're like, man, I need that wisdom. God promises to give us wisdom if we'll ask for it. Uh, it helps to be aware of our own biases and preconceived notions. It helps us. <laughs> Anybody have any of them? Biases, preconceived notions? Ah, everybody does. And if you say you don't have any biases or preconceived notions, you're not breathing. But we have to be aware of those because it's a gift to us if we know that we have a tendency. But, but what will happen, and this is interesting because what will happen is if we're not careful, our pride will tell us we have no bias, we have no preconceived notion, and, and we have this deal kind of figured out. Everything's, I'm good. We must be aware. And I would just challenge, the Lord spoke to me, my heart probably three or four years ago to pray, and I'm, I didn't say this in the early service, but to pray and ask God, what deception have I bought into? It's a brave, I think, I think it's a brave prayer to pray because I, I think if we really want to know what deception we bought into, because don't you think we all have to a degree bought into some? I'm gonna wait on you a minute. <laughs> So I say this, we, uh, it's a blessing to be a part of community, uh, to surrender to God and allow his truth to guide us, but to be in a community where we have people that will speak life into us. And honestly, that's one of the things I think is challenging. I want to talk to our, our church online that the challenge that we have online is that we're not around other people a lot. And what's good about being around other people is that sooner or later you'll be challenged with, uh, <laughs> do we really love that person? Because spend a lot of time with them, you get this spirit of familiarity. But we have to love people 
with their problems because God loved us with our problems. But if you're not ever around anybody else, you have to, I, I would say, challenge yourself to find somebody to pray with, find somebody to do the word of God. We have studies available online and, and we can do all that. But the, the, the interesting thing is, is that, is that when we get around people, it helps us to be a better man. It helps us to be a better woman. It helps us to be a, a, a better follower of Christ because as iron sharpens iron, so do we sharpen the countenance of our brother. So we need, sometimes we need that rubbing up against one another so we just get sharper. We weren't made to walk this journey alone. Uh, we need support, accountability, wisdom from other people who are following Jesus. Now I say this, it's not about being suspicious or cynical. This business of discernment. There are people in our world today that have made a living out of being critical to the church. Just criticizing the church. And then they get, you know who follows the ones who criticize the church? People who criticize the church. They send them their money. And then it helps them to criticize the church more. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell, the gates of the cynical, critical people who profess to know Christ, who are bringing criticism into the church and, being, and making a living off of being critical instead of exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, I love the gentle horse. I don't want to get on a horse that'll butt me off. I want a gentle horse. Gentleness, meekness. Meekness means power under control. We are under the control of the Holy Spirit. It's not that we're weakest, that we're more powerful when we walk in the Spirit. Power under control. Meekness, temperance. We don't lose our temper at everything that comes along our way. We were filled with the Spirit. Meekness, temperance, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are there for us so we can be more powerful in walking in the Spirit. I'm grateful for that, uh, about being wise, discerning, about being rooted in God's Word, His truth. It's about seeking His guidance, His wisdom, His discernment. It's about walking in a community of others and helping each other stay on the right path. So how do we discern Deceivers. How do we identify those who are deceivers? Deceivers, the thing about deceivers is that they're not really obvious to us as a deceiver. They don't go around with a little plaque on their or, or a little chain saying, I'm a deceiver. <laughs> it's sometimes not easy to tell. They don't announce their intentions. They often appear as wolves and Sheep's clothing blending in with the flock. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. 
the great divide inside. We have to be careful that we don't participate in being the ravenous wolf who tears down the body of Christ, the one who builds up and edifies and, and, and helps the body of Christ to grow. But their true nature is revealed by their fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, if these fruit are lacking or the works of the flesh replace them, then we have reason to be suspicious. But even... This is not enough. If someone appears to be, bear good fruit, we must still test their teaching against God's truth. The deception of it is that there's times when it appears that the deceivers are really being blessed by God. But in reality, if you take a closer look at them, they're being blessed by others' deceiver who believes in their deception. In Acts chapter 17, 11, uh, the, the church of Berea, in Berea is said that we must examine the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. We, you are responsible. I'm, I'm responsible for what I listen to and, and the scriptures that I, and the people that I see. So deceivers are not, listen to this, I don't mean to be offensive with this, but deceivers are not always outside the church. Acts chapter 20, verse 30, Paul warns that even from our own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. When somebody is always talking about following them, when, when they talk about themselves so much, and they talk about themselves more than they talk about God, or if the church talks about and this is, this, is a, this is a problem with religions in America today. There's a lot of churches that they will talk more about following the church and serving the church. And, and it's all about the denominational church and make it more about their church than they make it about Jesus. They are following the deception that I'm talking about this morning. And there's a lot of churches that they actually make it more about the church than they make it about Jesus. It's a deceiver. Deceivers are not always individuals. Think about this. They can also be systems, ideologies, cultural norms that lead us away from the truth of God. Our cultural norm today in our society, did you know that you can actually, your words, if judged as a hate crime. You remember when they started saying that your words could be a hate crime? You remember that? Whenever I heard them say that, something, the Holy Spirit, something inside of me, something happened, I thought, at that point in time, what they're saying is, is that we as a government are going to take on God's job and we're going to discern what your heart is and we're going to judge you and we're going to discipline you according to our values because you, there'll come, a, believe you me, there'll come a day when the church, and it's already here, where our culture today is fighting against the moral truth of the word of God. The truth of the word of God is not popular in our culture today. 
the Constitution of the United States was built on principles that God gave our forefathers. However, I'll say this, we are moving away from the God that this nation formerly trusted. And now we're moving into a way where Our nation is a nation of division. It's a nation of opinion. And it's a nation who values their agenda over God's moral truth. And I just want to say to you today, don't let this world that we live in, this culture in the United States of America, don't let it rule your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, because it's not yours, it's God's. Deceivers are not always outside the church. Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies or by empty deceits according to human tradition, according to elements, elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Using Christ, a lot of people use Christ to follow their agenda. They prostitute the name of Jesus to get followers in their religion. This means that we must not only be discerners, not only of the people we listen to, but also of the ideas that we entertain, the values we adopt, and the practices that we engage in. False prophets in the original Greek, uh, the term is pseudo-prophetess. And it's used 11 times in the New Testament. Jesus talked about this a lot. In the New Testament, it's used 11 times the word pseudo-prophetess. In each of these instances, the term refers to individuals who claim to speak for God, but who are, in fact, leading people astray. Pseudo-prophetess are deceivers masquerading as Servants of God, this is a sobering reminder of the need for discernment, for testing everything against the truth of God's word. It's not a task that any of us were designed to take on ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to convict us, to lead us into the truth, to baptize us, to give us power to overcome this deceit. We have the community of believers to encourage us, to hold us accountable, and to help us stay grounded in the truth of the word of God. But most importantly, we have the word of God itself, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, There's there's something about seeking after God diligently that in the long run, we kind of get things figured out. I was, when when I was studying this sermon, I was uh, praying and asking the Lord for help and and asking him to guide me and my heart and my thoughts. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of something. And I was just like, I've always had 
I'm just going to, like, confess a little thing to you right here. I've always had a problem with confrontation. Like, I don't like it when, when I have to confront somebody about a problem or something, a transgression that they made against me or my family or, or if there's a problem. I, I, I just, I just, I hate that stuff. And the Holy Spirit showed me something. And I remember my dad. My dad was a preacher all his life. Pastor churches. And uh, he was, he didn't like confrontation. In fact, he didn't even, he, he, he'd do a lot not to have confrontation. Sometimes confrontations need to happen. We, we, we got to do it in a godly way, but the scripture teaches us, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, uh, we have to go to a brother and talk to him or go to a sister and get things worked out. But the Holy Spirit convicted me. He said, do you know why you don't like confrontations? I'm like, well, obviously, no. I don't know. If I did, I'd probably do something about it. He says, it's because of pride in your life. You don't like to be wrong. And even if you are right, you don't know how to be right. And walk in the confidence of being right without being condemning of those who are not right. Y'all look like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm going to be 70 years old this, this year. Why did it take this long? And I mean, even after getting this information, I still got to do something with it. I still don't have it figured out. I mean, I got, I, I got some information here, but now the problem is I got to walk in it. But I bought into the deception that I was just being a good Christian by not confronting people. Y'all with me? Is everybody here, you just don't like to be wrong? You know, why, you know why there's arguments among us? Because we think we're right. I don't ever argue with, something, with someone if I think I'm wrong. <laughs> I've never done that. I always think I'm right. But even if we are right, we, don't, we can't buy into the deception of pride because we are right. I would rather be, listen, I would rather be wrong with a good attitude than right with a crummy attitude. Why? Why do I say that? Because God judges our heart. He looks past what we see. He looks past everything and he looks into our heart and, and, he, and he asks the question of our heart, why are you doing this? The greatest gift, I'm going to quit right now. 
The greatest gift, please remember this, the greatest gift that you can give yourself is the gift of teachability, being teachable. And I don't care how old you are, you can be a little kid and be a hard-headed, hard-headed kid as there ever was, or you can be an old man and be a hard-headed old man or a lady. I mean, you with me? It doesn't, it's not an age thing. It's an issue of the heart. And I double-dog dare you to ask God this question. If you're brave enough, what deception have I bought into? Why wouldn't we want to know that? Why wouldn't we want to know it? Because that would be a great gift to me. That was the question I asked God this week, and he told me. And you know what? I'm thankful that he too know me because I needed it. And I'm probably going to need it again next week. Lord, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, Lord, that you have given us everything that we need to be successful in your eyes. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the tools to use. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spoken word. I thank you, Lord, for your heart, oh, Lord, that you took, take away our heart of stone and you replace it with, with, a, with a heart of flesh a heart that is a heart after you like David was, oh God. I pray, oh God, for everybody in this room. I pray, Lord, for everybody watching online. I pray, oh God, for the presence of the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and into our minds, into our bodies, and into our souls today that we would understand what the perfect will of God is for us as individuals. I thank you, Lord, that you promised us that you would not withhold your word and your love and your purpose from those who love you. And we just love you, Jesus, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe if you have and you just haven't been living for him, I would just ask you simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody, Preacher, that's me. I need the gift of God in my life, and I need to accept him as my Savior. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Put the Bible in your hand. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I, I don't want to go through life by myself ever again. I need the presence of God in my life. And I need the wisdom, to, that, not from this world, but the wisdom from God. Help me. Yep, thank you. Back in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you raise your hand, I want you to look up at me. Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Come on up. Let me, back in the back. Yeah, too. Come on. Come on. Yeah, back in the back. Come on up. Let me pray with you. I'm proud of you. Bless you, man. Look at you. Tell me your name again. Jeff. Jeff, thank you, man. Listen, if you raise your hand, or maybe, just, just a second, Jeff. Maybe you felt like you should raise your hand, but you, uh, you, you didn't. I want you to pray this prayer with us. And the prayer doesn't, Savior, it's a, it's a transformation of your heart. It's because he said, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in our heart that God's raised you from the dead will be saved. We don't get saved by walking down the aisle. We get saved by accepting Jesus as our personal Savior. So if you raise your hand, y'all pray with us. I'm going to pray with you, Jeff, and I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm going to give you the words to say, but you let God change your heart. Cool? So let's pray. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm proud of you, buddy. Thank you. Hey, look here. You got to show up. One of the things I noticed about our human nature is that we always have time to do what's important to us. We we do have, everybody takes time to do what they want to take time for. I just encourage you to keep showing up. We got a men's Bible study and just just embrace the process because it's 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 not a sprint, it's a marathon. And just just let let the process work itself out as you work with God. I'm so proud of you, Jeff. Bless you, man. Listen, go visit this lady for just a second. Thank you. I love you. Will you stand with me, please. <clears throat> hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. You know the devil hates this church. You know that. Yeah, he, uh, I hate the devil, so that just makes us even. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, in the last days, these things are going to happen. Let's make sure that we, we speak the truth in love, that we love people that are unlovable, that we uh, are, are, are patient. If we want patience from God, we got to give patience to people, patience to our spouse. Anybody need to be more patient with your spouse? It won't hurt you none. It won't hurt you. Uh, if you, if you want to be more teachable, I want you to raise your both hands because I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us, Lord, to speak the truth. Help us to know the truth. Help us to walk in the truth. I pray for everybody here. I pray for everybody watching online. I pray that your word would be living and powerful inside of us, that the truth of the word of God would come out of our mouths and we would be able to speak to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, Lord. We pray for our nation's leaders, oh God. This nation needs you, Lord. Please, Jesus, help us to be people who speak up, who stand up, and people who vote for people who are closest to the truth that they can be. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, faithful, faithful people. In Jesus' name I pray. In the church, sin. Hey, I love you. God bless you. We got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, we'd love to have you. May God richly bless you. We love you.